If you weren't here with us last week, we uh, um, started a, um, a, well, it was going to be a very small series. I thought it would just go last week and this week, but there's like a few other things that I'm going to build on the back of. But um, last week, we started to uh, talk about how Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 um, gave a very, um, you know, simple message, but it has really dynamic power to it in terms of the way we approach our daily lives. And, he, and he, when he says in Matthew 6, he says, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And um, this was kind of coming out of a conversation that I was having with the Lord while Nicole and I were away up the coast, and I was walking the beach and um, listening to the surf. And do you guys all have your own kind of like spiritual pathway where like you really hear the Lord, like when you're in those particular settings. Like, yeah, the surf, the, the, well, for me, it's not actually being in the surf. It's just being near it. Yeah, that's it, the sound of the surf. Uh, for other people, it's, you know, they've got to be on a mountaintop or in a deep rainforest or some people, look, I, here's a peculiar spiritual pathway for you. I really hook up with the Lord when I'm behind the lawnmower. How's that? It's like all of the members of my body is busy, and it, but it's like, and I'm just like following the little lines, you know, <laughs> through the grass. And, but at the same time, I'm like, it's like my heart is spiritually alive and able to actually connect with the Lord. We all have these peculiar places like that. Did, were you going to share one, Craig? Yeah, you're on the cutting edge. I'm on the uh, cutting edge. Thanks, Craig. <laughs> Woo! Man. Wow. Woo! Thanks, <laughs> Bless Craig, Lord. I don't know if we want more, but Lord, bless him anyway. Bless him anyway. Um, thanks, Craig. Um, and, uh, well, anyway, so I'm in this place with the Lord, um, walking along the beach and just letting the water sort of wash over my, my feet as it goes in and out, as the waves come in and out, and just hearing the, the waves and the salt air and feeling the sun on my skin. was it, It's a place where I really hook up with hearing the Lord. It's kind of like an uninterrupted space for me. Things going on in that space, it, it seems uninterrupted for me. And, um, and, and so as we've been preparing our lives for this next new sense of adventure and season that the Lord has for us in terms of his calling us into new things, I'm like, God, you got to like tell us what's doing because to say yes to this means a whole series of changes for our life. And all of the things that up till now for the last good chunk of time have been very just stable and consistent and just matter of fact. And so, you know, it means we have to look at the way we, um, our employment happens, both for Nicole and for myself. We have to look at where we're going to, you know, how we're going to do all of that and how we're going to continue to service our needs and continue to follow Jesus into all of that, what that means for us in terms of our work here at Vineyard Pine Rivers and, and um, how we re reorganise all of that. And, but there's just, it's, it just feels like every space of our life is up for renegotiation with the Lord. And, um, and I don't actually mind going into those spaces, but I just need to know and I need to hear, hey, well, what do we, what do we need to do to really get into that space, Lord, that you're calling us to? And so he just simply said to me, as I was walking the beach, he simply said to me, well, Kirk, I just want you to keep the first things first. 
Thanks, Lord. It was like I shared last week. You know, it was an incredibly comforting reality just to hear the voice of the Lord like that. Just keep the first things first. I'm like, I can, I, I can do that. <laughs> that sounds, I can do that. But it was comforting. But on the other hand, it was at the same time, it was like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, when the Lord wants you to just do this and you're like, sure, thank you. But like, what is, how does that play out? And so now I'm in the phase of going, well, Lord, you need to show me how that plays out. And so I was, I was drawn to these scriptures uh, where the words of Jesus were, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given you. Now, last weekend when we were here, we started to talk about seeking, the nature of seeking the kingdom. And that word seeking had three parts to it. And the first was, it means to endeavor or be endeavoring to be about the kingdom first in all of your choices in life and the way you parent, the way you use your resources, the way you, um, you know, your work ethics, everything. It's, it's be endeavoring to be about the way of the kingdom. And there's a sense in that word of not just pondering. Uh, there's a difference between pondering and endeavoring. Pondering is where you kind of sit in a, on a chair and you kind of ponder. You know, it's like, oh yeah, and you have these great plans. and stuff. Endeavoring is where you go from pondering before the Lord to actually enacting what he's calling you into. It's, and, and that word seek is a verb. It's a doing word. It's, and so there's a sense with that word endeavor to be diligent and given to and busy about the things of the kingdom of God. It also means to be an inquirer. That word seek means to inquire of the Lord. It means to get up in his grill, up in his face and say, Hey God, thanks for talking to me. Thanks for telling me what to, you're doing. But what does that mean? Inquire of the Lord. And we used a few illustrations of like King David when he became king and he went to war against the Philistines. He's, he inquired of the Lord before he went to war. He said, Lord, do I take these guys straight on? And the Lord said, no, David. You need to go, you know, around the flanks and take them from behind, take them from the rear. And sure enough, David followed the instruction of the Lord and he had success in his wars because he inquired of the Lord. He didn't presume upon the Lord. He, he, he had a relationship with the God who, who, who called him into his, his, his sense of kingdom purpose and destiny, even as God does that for all of us. And at the same time, David was like, well, I don't want to presume what that looks like. I, I, I need to know, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to deal with this presenting situation? And the last thing was this sense of, the third part of that word, seeking, was this sense of stewardship, or it, it, the word really means to be required from, or in the words of, of Paul in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, you know, to the, the Lord has given us a trust of which we must prove faithful. In other words, you, you've got to come to the task of partnering with what God's giving you and, and, and enacting that in a way that blesses him. His grace is on you. Woohoo! That's great. Now, what do we do with that, Lord? How do we, how do we move in these gifts of your spirit? How do we prophesy in the workplace? How do we reach out to people in love, in actions of um, love and practice? How do, we, how do we, 
you know, care for people in your name? How do we do church, Lord? Uh, we, we, we want to take what you've given us, but we want to, and, you know, activate it because we know, and we activate it not because we know he's going to ask it when we turn up in front of him and he says to us, well, what'd you do with what I gave you? Uh, we're, we're not motivated by guilt, but we're motivated by the joy of the Holy Spirit, which is the fruit of God alive in us, to be able to go, hey, God, I took the three talents or the three bits of your dynamic work of your spirit, I put them to work, and look, there's three more. Well done. It's the joy of the Lord. It's not slavery that empowers us. We're free of that. Remember we sang that? This cross of Christ has dealt with that. But we are now with this grace of God and the power of the Spirit on our life, wanting to be able to actually live for that sense of, God, here's, here's what I did with what you gave me. And, I, and, I, and I'm bringing it to you not because I have to or I'm fearful, but because I love you and this is, the, this is what I did with what you gave me. And so a seeker of the kingdom of God, of the rule and reign of God, a seeker of the dynamic presence of a generous God in the earth through Christ seeks to endeavour to be about the ways of God and, and his kingdom in the earth in dealing with everything from, um, you know, stewarding the care of our creation to um, administering the love of God to people who are displaced by war and, and, and refugee in refugee situations. We, we want to be busy about presenting the love of God in each and every one of these circumstances so that the world would know that God is good, he's a great king, and he loves everybody in this earth. And so that's why we want to be endeavourers. We want to be seekers, not presumers. And we want to be um, doers because we know that out of the joyous work of the Spirit, we can present back to God, here's what I did with what you gave me. Now, last weekend, I made a, a comment, and it, it might have landed for some or it might have not landed for others, but it, this, this, the comment that I was made last weekend had had to do with what have we done with some of those prophetic words and impartations and things that God has sent our way over the years. I mean, can I just have a hand up? Who has ever received like a prophetic word from God either through a dream or someone came along and prayed for them here at the vineyard or or you had an a sense of open vision and God God revealed to you why he saved you and, and this sense of vision and destiny that he wants you to join him in. Has anyone had an experience like that? Just pop your hand up. Okay. All right. So I'm pitching that there's probably about 80% of us just put our hands up. Now, I believe that God is busy about doing that on his end for us so that we would know him, hear him, and walk in his ways. Our stumble or our response to that is often we just don't know what to do with it. We just don't know what to do with what God's saying. And sometimes um, 
as is often the case, is when God begins to speak to us and share with us his dreams of kingdom life through us, either for our family, for our local schools, for our workplaces, whatever it is. When he starts to impress upon our heart and birth in us the vision of his kingdom and starts to paint a sense of, hey, come into this with me, um, whenever that we get, we get all juiced up on that. And we go, whoo, yes, I'm in, I'm all in. I'm for this, I'm given to this, here's my resources, my time and my talents. Let's go, God, let's do this. And then hot in the context of saying, yes, Lord, we find ourselves all of a sudden with a headwind or a sense of resistance that wasn't there before that. Has that been the case for anybody? Just put your hand up. Yeah. Because that's, let me tell you, right through, the, right through the scriptures, Old Testament to New, wherever the Holy Spirit is prophetically releasing kingdom purpose, kingdom plans, and kingdom destiny, there, there is always a work of the enemy that wants to rob, kill, and destroy what God is trying to release. And often, in the context of that, oh, I've said yes, Lord, but then it feels like all of a sudden all. Hell has broken loose. Well, hell has broken loose against you. That is what the scriptures tell us. There is a kingdom at work in this earth, and he is a, there is a prince that rules that. His name is Satan, and he is violently opposed to you and I walking into the fulfillment of God's prophetic plans for our lives. And so in the face of that, in the opposition to that, we often go, you know what, this is just... I don't know what to do with this. This is hard. This is discouraging. This is like I was better off not saying yes. It was like everything was going okay until I said yes, Lord. And then all of a sudden, you know, all our household appliances suddenly broke. I mean, you name it. I was better off just saying, please leave me alone, God, <laughs> before we said yes, Lord. And when we said yes, Lord, the enemy, he saw our yes and he sought, has sought to rob us of the joy of walking in what God has, has called us to. And you know, um, Paul uses some language in 1 Timothy where he says to Timothy, he says, Timothy, um, keep, keep your life aligned with the prophetic words that were spoken over you when the elders laid their hands to you. Be busy about what God has spoken over your life. And then he uses this little phrase at the end of it where he says, because many have walked away from that and their lives have become a shipwreck. It's, it's, and, then, and that's exactly where the enemy wants us. Shipwrecked. And being shipwrecked looks like it's too hard, I'm not going to walk in that, There's too, it's too difficult, and we get beached, we get sidelined, we get benched. Or in Paul's words to Timothy, we get shipwrecked. Because we've chosen to walk away from aligning our life with the prophetic destiny, plans and power of God as to why he saved us in Christ to partner with him to save the world and see it come into the kingdom of God. So what do we do 
with the things God is saying to us? How do we steward that, this trust of God speaking to us? How do we prove faithful, to use Paul's words, in carrying what God is saying and giving? That's where I want to press into today. I just want to give you a few little tips in terms of stewarding stewarding the words of God, the prophetic words of God over, over your life and over mine. Um, it's interesting that in, in, um, just after the birth of Christ in Luke's Gospel, in Luke chapter 2, Jesus is this little uh, eight-day-old baby, I think, and he gets presented in the terms of the religious framework of his day to the temple of God. And as he gets presented to the temple of God, there's a man there by the name of Simeon. And Simeon, it, the scriptures say, um, which is really interesting, but I won't go into it today. But he says he is a, let me find it here, Luke chapter 2, verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. Well, that's interesting. Anyway, I won't go into that. Um, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel or the fulfillment of the plans and purposes of God. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. So here's a guy who has the Holy Spirit on him, fully righteous before God, before Jesus has done what Jesus has done. And it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts and when the parents, that's Mary and Joseph, brought the child Jesus to do, uh, to, to, uh, Jesus to do for him what was custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, and I imagine he may have held Simeon up actually, and said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. He's talking about himself. So here's a guy who's been carrying and waiting and tarrying and stewarding and caring for this promise of God's fulfillment in the coming of the Messiah. And he's been waiting for this. And as he gets his hands on this baby, he realizes this is the Messiah. And his, his response in thanksgiving to God is, yes, I can now go to be at rest. Uh, it's like his assignment of stewarding the heart of God's expectation of calling for, waiting for, and hungering for the Messiah to bring the kingdom. Was His assignment was done. And it's wonderful, a little bit further on, I love how, I love how um, you know, God is like totally into like building up women. Because hot, hot on the tail of this story is, is in verse further down, verse 36. The scriptures tell us that at that same moment there was also a prophetess. A prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. And she was very old. And she had lived with her, her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. Now, I don't know how old she was when she got married, but she was married, obviously, for seven years, and then her husband died, and from that point to where she is now at 84, it says, 
She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. And coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Again, this prophetess, Anna, she's, she's from the time her husband passed, she's a widow. And it's interesting, I think, now this is me reading into the scriptures here, but I think at that point of her husband's death, God gave her an assignment at that moment. That's why the scriptures mark it out that it was after seven years at the death of her husband that then from that to when she was 84, she carried this assignment before God of praying and fasting and seeking for the fulfillment of the kingdom promise of a Messiah in the earth. Death and destruction will want to try and shut down kingdom assignments. But the scriptures clearly tell us that right there in the context of even grief and difficulty and hardship and the loss of a loved one, right there the redeeming purposes and prophetic plans of God is to say, I will not let that death rob you of the joy of what I am doing in the earth and I will bring you into this and you will partner with me for this. God is, God is busy about activating us no matter what age or stage or circumstance in which we find ourselves. Anna, Simeon, they carried and stewarded this sense of God, purpose and picture and plan all their days. And he wants us to join him in this activity as well. Many years ago, some of you were pre here were present at this time in the life of our church here at Vineyard Pine Rivers, but many years ago, um, in 2005, uh, God spoke to me one day when I was walking around the building. And as I was just out the back here, actually, near the driveway. And as I was walking out the back there, I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, Kirk, he will give you the building. I'm like, my first response was, who is he? What building? Where is it? So I am an inquirer of the Lord by necessity because I don't have all the smarts. But I'm just hungry also by the power of the Holy Spirit to know what God wants to do when he starts talking. So I'm like, God, what do you do? Who's he? What, will, what building? Where is he? Da, da, da. And in the context of that, God then takes us into this journey where we, um, one street down from here, you know, there's another cul-de-sac, and down in that cul-de-sac down there, there was a building up for sale. And uh, we ended up in a conversation with the owner of that building, and, and we, were, we were progressing towards the purchase of that building down there right up to the 11th hour of signing the contracts. And as we go to sign the contracts, he takes the deal off the table. And we were like, hey, what? Huh? <laughs> anyway, the Lord had me go and I had to listen to the Lord because I was a bit like, what the heck? Come on, God. <laughs> and at the same time, I was a bit stinky at this bloke for pulling the deal off the table. And, and I was like, Lord. 
and the Lord said, I hear you. Now, I want you to come with me and go down to the bottle shop and I want you to buy this guy a really great bottle of red wine. I'm like, for real? <laughs> so anyway, I go down to the bottle shop and I buy a really expensive bottle of red wine. And it, Well, it wasn't super expensive, but it was, it was a nice drop. It was a nice drop. I liked it. <laughs> well, I liked that particular drop anyway. And, it, and, and I took it down to him and I, well, I rang and organised uh, to uh, go down and see him after the deal had all fallen away. And I just sat down at the table with him and I said, listen, um, I just want to let you know it's all okay and I just want to give you this bottle of wine as a gift. And um, as I gave it to him, he was, he was a little bit like, you know, because he made life awkward for us. And I said to him, you need to understand. I said, the value of people, because this is what the Lord was teaching me in the context of this conversation. He said, so I re repeated to the gentleman what the Lord had told me, which was, which was this. He said to me, the value of people is always more valuable than the value of bricks and mortar. Never forget it. I got the Lord. You know those lessons where you just like, he says something and it just sticks. It's like foundational stick. It's there. Well, that, that then was like, okay, so the Lord released us from that. But then in, in uh, 2006, uh, six, yes, it should be 2006, um, on the 26th of July, it was a Wednesday morning, I had a dream as I was waking up. And in this dream, I had a dream of going shopping to buy a car. And as I went to buy this car, I went to a, a and, and I saw this car, and it was an old, beaten up, white, rusty old um, HR Holden. And, and I walked around the car, and I looked at it, and I looked inside, and it was like, yeah, it had an okay stereo system, but it had all these different size kind of speakers. And, and like in the back window, it had like one of these things, like a big sound wedge in the one side, and it was all looked all odd and weird and everything, and at the time, that's what our actual sound system here looked like. And it was just all bits and pieces, but it made a great sound in this Holden when you turn the sound on. And then I was drawn to the um, accelerator of this old Holden car in this dream, and as I looked at the accelerator, I just knew that if, if whoever's driving this thing, if you your foot on that accelerator this thing's made to go it looks like a dog on the outside but my goodness that thing's made to go on the inside so anyway I have this dream and I wake up from this dream and I'm like Nick I think the Lord's talking to us and so I share this with Nick and she's like okay well then the next day the very next day on the Thursday the then landlord that owned Paisley Drive here what we call the shed rang me and Warren rang me and Warren said Kirk I'm selling the building and I want to give you guys first shot at it I went okay Warren <laughs> now you, he doesn't not God following or anything like that so I'm like okay Warren that's great I'll take that and get back to you 
So anyway, I'm straight on the phone. Nick, Nick, Nick. And, you know, Warren's rung. This is the, I had that dream yesterday. This is the, today. And anyway, what happened was between 2000 and July 2007, six, it should be six, 2006, through to February 2008, we as a local church believed that God was trying to let us know that he wanted us to buy this building. And at that time, like this time, we're, we're not a huge, you know, cash flow church. We, we get by each week. And at that point in time, we had to come up with a deposit. And the deposit was $270,000. $270,000. On the one hand, I'm like, woohoo! On the other hand, I'm like, whoa. You know, it's like, okay, God. But anyway, as a church, as a people, we prayed together, we worshipped together, and we committed ourselves to stewarding what God was drawing us into. And it was difficult. It wasn't easy. There were spits and spurts of money coming in, money not coming in. Are we going to make it? Aren't we going to make it? In the last week before we went to sign the contract where we had to have the deposit of $270,000. We were still $95,000 short. Well, by the time we went to sign the papers, that $95,000 turned up in our bank accounts at the church here. And, and the, you know, the banks, they chucked in all the rest and said, let's do this. And so we were able to sign off and go, let's do this. But as we were going to sign off, the nature of the sale was changing. It was going from one particular form to another, where in the, the, the first form meant we didn't have to have the money to pay the GST. So it was being sold as what's called a going concern, I think, or something. I can't remember. It's been so long. But anyway, we, we, need, we didn't need the GST, but, the, but for the landlord, it was better to change the nature of the contract so it needed to include GST. So we're like $270,000. We're at the thing. We're signing for it. The thing changes, and it meant we had to come up with another $110,000. No, I'm not kidding you. That is a lot. That is a lot. It's like, Lord, we've stewarded this. We've come so far, and now at the last minute, it's like, and you know what? We, 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 we got on the phone to the bank. We told the bank, and you know what the bank said? Bank said, don't worry, it's GST. We'll throw in that component and then you can, you know, we'll claim it back at the end of the next quarter with your BAS statement. So the bank put the 110 in, the sale went through, they, the bank got their 110 back plus a little bit of interest that we had to pay on that and the way through, which was about $10,000 of interest, by which, by the way, someone else came along and said, hey, don't worry about paying that interest figure or whatever it is because we'll cover that for you. So there was no added pressure. God looked after all of it, but we as a people stewarded before God this dream of an old H.R. Holden car that looked terrible on the outside, but inside, the life that was in it was amazing inside it. We carried this together. I remember at times, we, uh, I, I even went on a hunt and I found the the actual car that I saw in my dream, I found someone who owned one that looked just like it and we parked it right about where Les and Jeanette are sitting so that every Sunday for a season, people had to walk in and they'd kick this old thing and like look at it and have 
it was in the way, and, and some people sat in it, and some people held it, and pretend they were, you know, driving it. But this whole HR car was forever before us. This sense of God's calling us into something here. It's way beyond us, and yet he's saying, come this way. How do we steward things like that? Well, like I said earlier, Paul encouraged Timothy to, again, keep in line, orientate your life to what the prophetic words of God is saying. He says it like this, I give you this as instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them you can fight the good fight, holding on to the faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these prophetic words over their lives and so have shipwrecked their lives. Um, the first thing is this, in stewarding a picture and thing or, or vision or word from the Lord is write it down. Just that sounds really basic, but it's really important. Just write it down. I mean, when God was speaking to um, Israel through the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk, in Habakkuk 2, Habakkuk went to inquire of the Lord. And, and this is what in Habakkuk 2, 2, it says, And the Lord said to me, Habakkuk, write down the vision. Write it down. Write it down. There's something powerful about taking it from our internal kind of world to writing it down. That's why we have the scriptures. It was by the, inspired by the Spirit. It was written down so that we would be able to carry and hold this thing before us. Write it down. When it comes to stewarding the prophetic words and promises and the that God the Father has released to you and continues to release to you and I, make every effort. Write it down. Journal it. Draw it if you're a, a drawer. Paint it if you're an artist. Record it. I make a habit of wherever I go, if someone starts praying over me, I was a bit slow on the uptake this morning, but I'm hoping some people, I, I think I remember everyone that prayed for me verbally because I'm going to go and hit them up and say, can you email to me exactly what you said? But I usually grab my iPhone, hit my voice memo and just hold it because I want to catch what God's saying through others to me. And so that I can go, and I've got some, you know, I've got some words from like about 2012 that I listen to like every quarter. Every four months, I just lie down in my, in my bed, quiet place before I go to sleep, and I turn it on. I'm listening to those words over and over and over again because I can hear the heart of God calling me into these things. Write it down, record it, paint it. I'm a big fan of using the iPhone. So use your iPhone. If you don't have an iPhone, get an iPhone. <laughs> or maybe, sorry, I shouldn't be so, that's, that's a bit, what, what, do you, what do you call it? Elitist or something like that? Yeah, yeah, a smartphone. Use your smartphones um, and play them back and play them back. In the hallway of our home, um, we have a little chalkboard in the shape of a heart. And on that heart, we usually write um, what it is that God wants us to be about for the next year so that everyone that walks into our home sees that little phrase and everyone walks out of our home has hopefully experienced that phrase. Um, but it's, it's, it's this sense of what are we meant to be about. And anyway, a week and a bit ago, Sarah comes up to me. She says, Dad, you need to change the whiteboard. I said, what, what? She said, you know, the blackboard in the hallway. Oh, I said, why? She says, you've got last year's tag on there. Oh, I said, that's right. And she said, you need to change it, Dad. Better together in him. Go and change it. I'm all right, Sarah. So off I go and write it up there. 
Do what you need to do to keep what it is that God is saying in front of your eyes. Let it interrupt you. That's why in Deuteronomy, when the law was being given and the ways of kingdom life were being given to the people of Israel in their context, it was like, write these down, write it on your doorposts, write it on your walls, write it, talk about it when you go walking together, when you lay down at night. Be always on about what it is God has been saying to you. It's really important. Write it, paint it, declare it, listen to it, record it. Keep it always in front of you. Do whatever you have to do in regards to writing it down. Um, <clears throat> fight the good fight. Um, Paul here is using a word that means engage. He's basically saying engage, engage, engage. On Anzac Day this year, I'll try and wrap this up really quick. On Anzac Day this year, and it's usually on about that time every year on TV, it was this old black and white movie, and I just love it because I read the book as a boy. It was called Dam Busters. And when I read the book as a boy, as about a nine or ten year old boy, I was like, oh, wow, you know, these guys have made this, this um, way to be able to... The backstory is, in World War, they, they, um, if you want the finer details, I'm sure you can ask Melvin. He will give you the exact... I'm sure Melvin could give you the exact diameter of the wingspan of the plane that they were flying when they dropped the bomb. He's, he's got good detail on that stuff. But... Anyway, the idea was that there was all these dams that were used for hydroelectricity in Germany and the British um, planes were flying into Germany and they had to somehow break the dams, bomb the dams to break them open so that the water would go through and would flood the um, city below, which was responsible for generating a lot of the um, infrastructure and the mechanics of war that the Germans were relying upon. And so... Um, in this movie, and this, I was watching it the other day, there's this professor and he's trying to figure out how can we fly low enough and drop a bomb at just the right height and just the right speed and what weight does the bomb have to be and what shape does it have to be to be able to bounce like a ball along the water and hit the dam wall and break it open. And at the time, it was actually um, incredibly, like, what they did was amazing with the technology that they had. But anyway, this, it's, it's, it was a bit like that. These guys engaged with a... They were in the fight, but they had to figure out the way to get through the fight, to break the dams, to destroy the cities below, to be able to shut down the infrastructure of those, those um, factories. But, um, and, and they did do it. In reality, they did do it. It was called Operation chastise, C-H-A-S-T-I-S-E, Operation Chastise, that's it, yep. And, um, but hot on the tail of them breaking the dams and all the people that got flooded out, they rebuilt the dams and got busy about business again. But nonetheless, these guys figured out how to steward uh, the fight in such a way to bring breakthrough and release. And so too for us, when it comes to carrying what God has given us, we need to be a people who remember that there is a great cloud of witnesses who all by faith stewarded a vision of the kingdom of God who are right now around the thrones of God crying out praises to God as Jesus intercedes that we too would be a people who by faith 
understand that what God is saying, he will bring it about. And he's just asking us, please engage, engage, engage. Engage with what God has said to you. Bring it out from the cupboard. Dust it off again. Dust it off again. It's never too late. You're never too old. You're never too young. It's never too late to see those prophetic words of God that he took time, love, passion and purpose to deliver in your direction and to mine. Dust them off. Bring them out. Honour them again before the Lord. Let them fire you up again. Let your bones get agitated again with the life that comes from those prophecies through Jesus' name. That HR Holden car, I still have it on my desk. Every day, I see that thing. Someone gave that to me as a gift. And it sits on my desk every day, just in front of me. I see it every day. Ah, that reminds me of what you said you would do and you will be about and I'm giving myself to who you are and what you said you'd do. No matter what the push, no matter what the resistance, we're going to go for it and we're going to make it happen, Lord. Because you said, Lord, you said. And so we've hung in there with him. Don't you want to do you want to? <laughs> Write it down. Fight the good fight. And... Keep the communications current. Here's, this is my last point. Keep the communications current. And by that, I mean get in that spiritual space where you can converse with the Lord and hear those little words, those little sayings, those little pictures, those little, it's me and I've called you by name and remember how I showed you this? It's not too late. We can do this together. Let him draw that up in you. Keep your communications current. That means a daily life of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. A daily life of conversation with Jesus. I think one thing, when I was worshipping today, one thing that the Lord did show me while we were worshipping today, in our pursuit to be free, we've sometimes also misunderstood our freedom. Our freedom is not that we would make our own determinations. Our freedom is that we've laid down our determinations and that Jesus Christ has chosen as our first risen brother to put the yoke of his fellowship and friendship over us as the Son of God to walk life with us. There is the determinations of God. And so don't mistake that, and it's called a yoke, it is a yoke, but it is a kingdom yoke. It's not a worldly yoke. It's a yoke of the love of God that says, come, let's do it this way because I am your king now and I'll bless you. Don't, don't, don't mistake that arm of God as it's coming over you and you go, oh, I feel like I'm being all bound up again. No, no, let... The love of Christ yoke you. Let him yoke you. Keep the communications current, make no assumptions, and follow current orders. If I was to ask you this morning as we finish, what are your current orders? And are you stewarding them? And are you walking in them? 
They're, they're, they're just questions that you and I need to answer in our conversations with Jesus. But keep them current. Keep conversations current. And you know what? If it's been a long time since you've actually had a really good convo with the Lord, that's okay. He's just waiting. Contend. Fight the good fight. Keep the communications current. This morning, as we finish, I'm just going to pray and ask that again, that what the Lord has said he wants to be about here through us as the people of his kingdom at Vineyard Pine Rivers would, would stir in our bones and work its way into the marrow of our, of our, of our lives. And actually, I feel like, as I won't say I feel like, I see, I see the Lord. I see the Lord reaching deep again into who each of you are and his prophetic words that he's placed in you like seeds in good soil. And he wants to draw the life up into them and bring them up, bring them up, bring them up. I see the Lord doing this. I see the Lord doing this. Let's stand and pray. Let's stand and pray. Father, we give you thanks <clears throat> that you are unlike the gods of the earth who are mute and are simply carvings in the imaginations of men. You are unlike the gods of the earth. You are the word of God, the one who speaks. And as you speak, creation occurs. You are the God who hears the cries of his people and are moved to liberate and deliver. You are a great and mighty God. You speak, you hear, you move. And we give you thanks, Father, that we see who you are in the face, the life, the ministry of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that you make God real for us, tangible, understandable, connectable. Thank you, Jesus. And right now, Holy Spirit, we want to give ourselves to what you're doing. We want to steward what you're saying in such a way, Lord, that is life is life for us and joy to the world. Holy Spirit, would you just right now stir all those prophetic words up that have been spoken over the years. Stir them up in us. Remind us again. Remind us again. Show us, Lord. 
Come, Holy Spirit. Let the fire of your presence just rise in, in our bones right now, Holy Spirit. Lord, dust them off, Lord. Bring them up, Lord. Bring them up, Lord. Show us again, Lord, our part in this. Help us to steward like Simeon, that grace that was on Simeon and Anna, to just like, I'm going to carry this, Lord. I'm going to carry it in such a way that it releases your kingdom plans in the earth. That's it. More Holy Spirit. Just increase your manifest presence, Holy Spirit. This morning, who that, that that's going on right now? The Holy Spirit is like bringing that those words out from the hidden, dusty places and and bringing them back before your eyes again. If that's going on for you. Can you just can you just kind of come up the front here with me for a minute? And we'll, I just want to pray with you guys because that's really, really important. What's that movie called? Mm. Yeah. That's so great, you know. God is so kind. He's, he's, he's so great. He's so faithful to, you know, for us to walk in this. He has said. <laughs> he's so great. Thank you, God. Holy Spirit, just bring increase now for my family, our family that's at the front right now. Would you just surface Holy Spirit Surface those, those visions, those prophetic words, those plans, those purposes of God. Just bring them up. Bring them up, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. And I pray that our, uh, our hearts, our emotions, our intelligence, our, our very life would just be grafted into them again for the glory of God and for our joy. <laughs> for our joy. Come, Holy Spirit, more more, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. Now, I pray a release of the gift of prophecy in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just release a fresh, a fresh anointing of that prophetic work that captures the heart of the Father and speaks it and speaks it and brings life to others. Let that just rest upon us right now. Let the prophetic work of the Holy Spirit come upon you now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, stay at the front, you guys that are here, but there might be some others here that um, some of the words and knowledge.